continue the series through the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I'll read the chapter and make a prayer. Then we shall consider verse 10 to 13. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine. And the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Be not, do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing. And the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power. To retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his heart. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they, f they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he pro prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear, sorry, he does not fear before God. There's a, there's a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out, even though a wise man claims to know he cannot find it out. Let us go to the Lord in prayer before we continue. 
Father, we pray that you may help us this afternoon to understand your eternal, your true, your living word. We have no strength of our own, Lord, to grasp into your eternal purposes. We are weak, Lord, but you are strong. And we pray that you may strengthen us in our inner being this afternoon. That as your word is preached, that as your word is taught, you may open the eyes of our hearts to receive your truth. We pray, Lord, that all may be done to the glory of your name. That the preaching and the hearing of your word be done to the glory and honor of your name. Help us, Lord, for these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This afternoon we shall pick it from where we left off where we left off last time. We shall continue from verse 10 to 13. The sermon is titled Are the wicked ever punished? Are the wicked ever punished? And the first point in verse 10 the reason we ask ourselves whether the wicked are ever punished is because the wicked get away with evil. That is what we see in verse 10. And then secondly, the reason why we ask ourselves whether the wicked are ever punished is because evil advances, because justice is not executed swiftly. Evil advances because justice is not executed swiftly. Another reason why we ask ourselves whether the wicked are ever punished verse 12 is the wicked live for a long time the wicked live for a long time that is that's what we'll see in verse 12 and then at the end verse 13 it will not be well with the wicked it will not be well with the wicked this is a book that is very practical and it is give us, giving us instructions on how to live wisely in a sin cast world. And this afternoon we shall consider the issue of wickedness. It seems to us that as we preach through this book, week in, week out, the world is getting more wicked. And the world is unfair, the world is unjust. But as God's children, we know that God is sovereign over all. God created the world. That is one of the truths we learn. That's one of the truths we teach our children that he created all things good. As we read at the end of chapter 7, God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Sin came into the world through Adam. Sin has stained the world. Therefore, man has obscured the image of God in them, even though they still carry the image of God. Things are twisted in this world. So that we worship created things rather than the creator himself. This is not to say that everything in this world is poison. Because we see the, the preacher, he commands pleasure. He commands enjoyment. The message of the Bible is enjoying God's gift glorifies God. Enjoying the things that the world in a way that is not worshipping God 
is dishonoring to God. But enjoying the things of the world in a way that glorifies God is pleasing to him. God takes pleasure in your God takes pleasure in your pleasure in you taking pleasure in him. Sorry. God takes pleasure that you enjoy the gifts that he has given you. As we come to this chapter, how does God alleviate the problem of sin? We see at the end of chapter 7 that men are wicked, men are sinful. That God made us upright, but we have sought many schemes. And as we come to chapter 8, we see one of the ways that God uses to alleviate sin is the issue of government. And for most of us, we think the government is never the solution. The government is the problem. But could you imagine for a moment the chaos and the confusion that could be there if there was no government? Thieves could break into your home right now while you are here. They'll steal everything. And no action will be taken. There's no one to enforce the rules. Think for a moment. People driving however they wanted. Because there was no one to enforce traffic rules. People are not observing the speed limits. There's no concern for blind spots. Someone can drive recklessly. Someone can drive on the wrong side of the road. And there will be no consequences because there is no government. You see, God can use the government, even when the government is wicked, to restrain evil. And how we need wisdom. We need wisdom every day of our lives to live under such an authority. Because not everything in the government is right as we know it. And our ability to make wrong choices as it relates to the government is because of our lack of wisdom. Wisdom will give us the mind of God. Wisdom will enable us to know what to do and when to do it. And we need wisdom when you're watching the things of the world because the world is wicked. And Solomon observed all these things. He says he saw everything that happened under the sun. He did not hear from others. He took upon himself to look at it like someone looking at an object with a microscope. And he sought to observe everything critically and to investigate everything that is done under the sun. And he observes at the beginning of this chapter that there are people on this earth who have power. And they use their power to harm others. They use their power to hurt others. This is how the world works. And this is, he says, you need wisdom in knowing how to deal with inequality and iniquity and knowing how to honor God. See, this was the most wise person to live at this time. He looked very keenly and he observed that there was abuse of power. 
And that's why some people do not need power. Because when power gets into their head, they will crush and harm others. And this chapter, chapter 8, reminds us that we live in an upside-down world. You don't need this chapter for you to be reminded of what the preacher has been saying all along from chapter 1. Even the wisdom that you have from God, as as you've seen, is limited. Sometimes that wisdom proves effective. Sometimes that wisdom proves ineffective. It depends on the circumstances. The world is upside down. And wisdom is limited. And there's frustration in the upside down world. And sometimes you need to turn off the news because it's very frustrating. Wisdom does not answer all the questions of this upside down world. Wisdom does not give us solutions to all our problems. Life becomes very frustrating. And wisdom is ineffective in lightening the burden of this life. In other words, wisdom is not the answer to everything. But wisdom is better than folly. Wisdom should always be sought. But you will not always have wisdom for every problem that you think. Wisdom, for instance, cannot discover what God is going to do. Just because you have biblical wisdom does not mean that you understand everything God is going to do. You know that God is going to do something. But you're not wise enough to know what he's going to do. And we live in a world that is full of mystery. Things that do not make sense. It's like you're walking in a dark room. And you're not able to know your future. Because God is sovereign. He's in control. Even though we know God is sovereign, he's in control. That God has a glorious plan for the church. That does not mean that we have insight into what the future is going to be. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. And in fact, the lack of clarity in terms of our future makes us to feel uncertain about our life. We don't know what's going to happen with our families, to our children, to our relatives, to our nation. And the question is, what do we do? And the preacher's answer is what? Fear God and enjoy life. You might think that's a very superficial way to look at life. Fear God and enjoy life. That is the answer to all the uncertainty in my life. But before we get there in chapter 12, where the purpose of this book is going, is, 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 is going to scare us with all the horrors of old age. And he's going to tell us, before you grow old, this is something you need to do. Fear God and enjoy life in the day of your youth. And this chapter, chapter 8, is not going to tell us anything new that we have not seen. Solomon repeats what he has already been telling us. And it's as if he's going to beat these things into our heads. As a teacher often repeats over and over again for the students to learn. 
and he's going to take the hammer and beat these things into our head and rarely do we forget things that are repeated we considered verse 1 last time brother Benezer brought us the word he values wisdom in spite of all he says there he says real wisdom is very rare it's a it's a rare commodity and wisdom causes a stern face a hard face to beam obviously the fall has brought negative effects on the authoritative structures and it tells us the king the king is the highest authority in a country and a wise man experiences the joy of knowing how to interpret things the wise man he says wisdom causes his face to shine you see despite the limitation of wisdom wisdom can bring illumination and joy and maybe sometimes grumpiness is a is a sign of lack of wisdom then verse 2 he moves into wisdom telling us about um, dealing with kings and wisdom is required in obeying the king when you enter into his presence that is simple you obey the king because he has supreme authority and you've taken an oath of loyalty to a king and you need to keep your word and then verse 3 it told us that we should not be quick to abandon the presence of the king we should not be quick to take a stand of an evil cause it reminds us here that the king does whatever he pleases verse 4 it talks to us about not defying the king not challenging his authority who can tell the king what are you doing who has that audacity if you do that he says you have taken your life in your own hands because the king has unilateral power his word was supreme in verse 5 if you obey the king if you obey the authorities you prevent yourself from troubles in your life and this should be a, this is a more effective time this more effective way to give counsel to the king verse 6 He says, for there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. But when things in life do not go the way we think, what is needed? Prudence. Prudence is needed. The, the burdens that we may feel. Solomon says there is a time and there is a way to resolve all things. Verse 7 is going to tell us how where wisdom is ineffective. It tells us you don't know the future. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So there is a limitation of wisdom. And sometimes it can be very frustrating. People because people want to know the future. People want some kind of security. But wisdom is never going to figure out that for us. In your decisions in life you have no control there are decisions in life you have no control over in verse 8 you have no control over your life not even wickedness 
a wicked person does any does have any control over his life and then verse 9 he summarizes and he prepares us for the next session and he's given us a wise counsel on how to navigate before the king on how to go to the king he has urged us to submit to the authority of the king that to exercise patience and prudence in the presence of him and even that submission that authority can often be abused by the king leaders take advantage of those who are subordinate to them and abuse their power and harm them the life under the sun is subject to these things people exercise power in a way that is detrimental but the preacher doesn't say we should fix that why because those things are out of our control because god as the one god is the one who has instituted that authority and we live in a sinful world ruled by sinful people it doesn't tell us to fix or change the situation yes we should live wisely we can pray about it but his understanding is god is sovereign even wisdom cannot solve such a problem it is so beyond us and brethren we're not here to reform the society we are here to be the light to be the salt to be the truth to proclaim the gospel to the world taking over the government does not mean that we can change the society because the problem of man is the heart and it's only god who can deal with that problem and from verse 10 what you are going to consider this afternoon going solomon is going to unfold that judgment does not appear to be coming that he doesn't see justice in this world but yet by faith he says justice must come the first point the wicked get away with evil look at verse 10 <clears throat> then i saw the wicked buried they used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things this also is vanity he's talking here about a wicked person this wicked person is going to the temple he's going to the church for instance and the ns the new american standard bible says says i have seen the wicked buried those who used to go in and out of the holy place and they are soon forgotten it says they are soon forgotten but the esv says they are praised so which one is it it does seem that the word praised fits fits into the context this is a wicked guy and let's say he's a politician a well known politician and in one way or the other he ends up dying and he's having this state funeral this pomp this color there are famous people attending the the funeral and the people brand this person as religious he's praised 
and the preacher is saying this is injustice this is injustice to praise the wicked does this ever happen and that says yes it happens in our country over and over again there is no deterrent to evil when the wicked are praised the preacher says this is vanity vanity to mean that this is only but a breath this is temporary that whatever is going on is brief it is passing away and this this wicked people are going through the motions of life like any other people they're going to church they they they're in church even today they're going to the temple but if you worked under these people you see how they mistreat people how they abuse other people and if you are a, if you're employed by them for instance and you attend their funeral and you hear how people say he was the sweetest person he was the sweetest soul you say what this is unfair this is not right that's the kind of situation that they were in and we are in the wicked act as if they are righteous but people know them and people often loud perversion isn't it when a politician comes and he gives away money what do people begin to do they loud they may praise them and yet that is wickedness people loud perversion and when you as when you as a christian you take your stand people will boo you people will not applaud you people don't celebrate righteousness anymore and in a world that is absolutely opposed to everything that we stand for the world will not be right when you stand for what you believe in and the only way for you to live successfully according to the world is for you to live like the world but god has put you in this world to reflect his character to reflect him jesus says you're the light of the world you're the salt of the world is so the salt of the world meaning god has put you there to restrain evil to restrain the decay and the rot that is here in this earth god has put you there as the light to do what to proclaim to the darkness the preacher here so a wicked person getting a favorable departure and this could be the biggest devils in this world but they are glorified they are treated right nobody says anything bad their funeral and solomon was a spectator in this funeral this person was lauded and he says it was vanity is it interesting that wicked people that we know some even receive state funerals some even when you switch on your tv they are broadcasting their funeral their burial yet these people never treated people well 
and people at their funerals cannot say anything bad. Some are even overtaken by their emotions to the point that they compromise on the truth. And someone says, the more I looked at it, the more I became frustrated. And then secondly, notice how this evil advances. Look at verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. The second point, evil advances because justice is not executed speedily. Because of delayed justice, what happens? The wicked are emboldened to do more evil because their sentence is averted because the evil people see that justice is not coming any soon because it is not carried out speedily therefore the hearts of men are full of desire to do evil so you, these people do evil and because the sentence is not carried out or followed through it sends the message to them that you can get away with it. See, verse 10 is an encouragement to evil. You see, it's, people are encouraged to evil when, um, when nothing bad is said of you when you die. But verse 11 is an even greater encouragement to evil when justice is delayed, when no cause of action is taken. And this can happen when you have criminals bribing judges. In spite of the evidence that is clear, the criminals are let loose. All they are doing is encouraging more evil. For instance, what will happen today if, let's say, a law was passed that said no one will prosecute you if you stole something that is less than 1,000 shillings? See, if someone stole stole your money they, they are emboldened again to steal because they cannot be prosecuted you see swift punishment deters wickedness so that if someone is on a death row he killed people and evidence has proved so the facts have proved so and this people this person is allowed and he dies at an old age. You see, it shows that the consequences of justice were not swiftly served. And people are encouraged to do evil. Men are emboldened. Men are encouraged. Because there's no consequence. People get away with it. So that when the authority structure breaks down, be it the church, be it the home, be it the school, evil advances even more. When justice is not administered, evil reigns. See, the misuse here of authority creates a lot of problems. The heart of man is full of insanity and madness. It is deceitful. And it's only God who is restraining 
evil through his common grace. So that if you're as a parent and uh, your child is doing something wrong and you tell them, don't let me count to three. What are you doing to that child? You're encouraging them. Because they know I have at least until two to commit this crime. But the child should know that to disobey the parent, swift justice is executed. You see, what breeds evil here is lack of commitment to punish evildoers. People not, people not doing anything. And people will get worse and worse. People are emboldened. In this country, for instance, people have allowed to, to steal and to embezzle public funds. And we've seen them in courts. People are, are let loose. And what has become of that? There is rampant corruption in this country. And brethren, let me say this. You should embrace corrections as Christians. Because correction that is levied upon you. Or even think of this way. When your parent was very tough on you. That they levied correction upon you. That justice was meted every time you committed an offense. Your parent saved you from cementing rebellion in your life. So that if you don't hear the truth, no one ever rebukes, rebukes you. What happens? You get worse and worse. People are encouraged to do more evil. And now in Kenya, the LGBTQ group have been given the freedom to, to association. And if people fear to take a stand, what will happen to them? They will be emboldened to advance their agenda through the school system, through the society, and every avenue that they have. You see, for instance, there was a time, not all women, women were not allowed to dress in a certain way. And if they dressed in that way, they will hide in their home. But what happened? They were allowed to do it. And people, some women, and even some men, dress in a very inappropriate way. Because people saw them, and they did nothing about it. If you have opportunity to restrain evil, you have to check it. And don't blame others. When you have a brother in Christ, for instance, who has done something that is wrong, put your arm around them and tell them what they have done. Correct them. Otherwise, what will happen? Their hearts will become seared. They'll become more rebellious. Because if you live in sin for 20 years, 
someone cannot come in one day and break all those years of rebellion and wickedness. That's why you need someone to be correcting you, to be, to be rebuking you. And you need wisdom so that sin is not cemented in your life. Let's not allow the world to determine for us what is right and wrong. As long as you have the word of God, that's the sure guide in your life. And often Christian people, we don't have the spiritual stamina to fight wickedness. Because we've given up. We've we've, we've grown tired. And the more wicked the world becomes, the more wisdom we need, brethren. And you realize that your flesh always wants wickedness. That the more people, that the more the world becomes wicked, the more your flesh is drawn to the world. The Spirit of God yearns for righteousness. While your flesh pulls you away into the world. You see, sin has not changed. Sin has become packaged in a more enticing way by the evil one. The same sins that are there in the Bible, homosexuality, sorcery, drunkenness, they're the same sins that, we, that plague us today. And you need brethren to stand firm. And there's often the danger for us to glorify, to deify people who are evil, and even to overlook them. There needs to be promptness to correct people who do wrong, people who try to get away with evil. If you're a Christian who is on the receiving end, from another Christian who tells you when you've gone wrong that brother or sister is helping you not to be rebellious Paul writes and says have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth are you mad because I told you the truth because if You, if you push away what people are telling you and it is true then evil will reign in your life and this day and age evil doing is not punished and do you realize that it is a blessing for your sin to be exposed for your wrongdoings to be brought to light do you realize that if you are a child and every time you do a mistake your parent finds it out that you cannot get away with it what happens is that exposure saved you from growing in wickedness because if sin had become hidden in your life and your parent didn't find out anything about it. You'll be more evil. You'll be more rebellious. And you should thank God that he has put you in a place where 
your sin can be exposed in the context of a church, for instance, in the context of a marriage, in the context of other believers. People can see your sin and say, what, brother, you need to correct this, sister, you need to correct this. Because if they were not there, you'd be emboldened to be more evil. And often people get angry and mad when they are exposed of their little secrets. Instead of them saying, thank you, thank you for exposing my sin. Thank you for exposing me from future wickedness. Thank you for helping me and preventing me from besetting sin. You see, it's a blessing for you to have someone correct you when you're wrong. Because in the future, you'll be doing something worse. Solomon, the more he looked at the world, the more he had a headache. And he could not improve the world. And he doesn't even tell us to improve it. He tells us to look at the world from God's perspective. Use God's wisdom to navigate wisely and swiftly through the world. And then thirdly, verse 12. We're told of another reason here why we think evil reigns, that the wicked live for a long time. Verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. So if a sinner here, he defies the odds and he sins a hundred times, Solomon says, it is still better if, if this person commits this crime a hundred times and even he lives longer. Solomon says, still it is better to obey God. That's wisdom, brethren. We need wisdom against the wickedness that is in this world. And there's a danger for us to see evil people thriving and living peacefully. And for us as children of God, we begin to doubt God. And our doubt may lead us to destruction. But Solomon helps us to see here, God's word never changes, however prevalent sin may be. In spite of the continuing perversion, God's word is still the same, even if it does not reflect in the lives of the sinners. So you may ask yourself, can I go to work every day and do the right thing? And I have my colleague here looting resources, stealing money, and getting away with it. And they're succeeding. They're getting more and more wealthy. Solomon is saying, it's better to be obedient to God. It's better to obey God than be that wicked person. Though he may sin a hundred times, that he has defied the oaths, that he has, he has lived for a long time and he has committed evil 
and he's successful. You see, any injustice, any oppression that is going on on this earth is only passing away. Those people will eventually die and will face judgment. And even though they may do a lot of bad things, they may look so, so happy and successful. Someone says it is still better to fear God, to do what is right. He's the sovereign one. He controls all things. God is the ultimate judge. He will administer justice. <coughs> and we should not compromise with the world. And then fourthly, and lastly, verse 13, he comforts us here that it will not be well with the wicked. Verse 13, but it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. So notice here, the, this guy in verse 12, Everything seems to go well. And then he tells us in verse 13, it, it, it will not end well with them. So that the lengthening of their days, the prosperity in course that they think they have, is only an illusion. It's only a shadow. Why? Because life itself is brief. The life of a wicked person is brief. They may think they are enjoying, but life is short. But for you, brethren, if you sin, God has given you the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sins. If the word of God has bound your conscience, your conscience will be pricked. And you'll know what you've done is evil. But the evil person is never disturbed. But he assures us here that, that payday is coming. God is patient. God is patient with the wicked. And everything is moving at his pace according to his plan. God is patient with them. And he says he does not wish them that they should perish. But they will come to the knowledge of Christ. You see, the days of these people... It says it's like a shadow. It's, it's like an illusion. Because shadows are not durable. They're not there for long. And if you've not put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in him, this world is passing away. And one day you'll face the ultimate judge. You may get away with, with injustice in this country. You can bribe your way. When you stand before God, you cannot hide yourself. Everything will be laid naked. And I call on you to repent of your sins if you have not put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Because the wicked will not get away with their evil. Surely, as, 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 as Solomon says, it will not be well with the wicked. Because they do not fear before God. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you may help us to be godly people.
to point out evil that is um, in our societies, in our families, not in any way delay justice when it should be meted. We pray that you may help us as parents, as spouses, to help one another in correction and rebuke so that we are not overtaken by besetting sin and so that our hearts are not emboldened to more evil. We pray for those who do not know Christ that you may open the eyes of their hearts to believe in him. That all their hope would be in Jesus Christ. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.